All right, if I don't have enough voice left to finish preaching, Brother James, it's your fault. I tried singing out more, all right? Uh, if you would grab your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2, or Philippians chapter 4, I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, of course, you get down to the, and now we actually are on the last day of the year, and we oftentimes look back over over the year, we think about the highlights, and as you look back, most of the time you think of uh, good things, you think of bad things, you think of, uh, you know, the ups and the downs. Most of the time, you know, we don't remember or really think about uh, anything in the middle. Right? We, rem- we remember it at its greatest and its worst. That's kind of how we are. Uh, those are the most memorable things that we have, are the greatest and, and the worst. But most of our year, uh, most likely, for most people, most of the year was average. Right? It, didn't, it wasn't anything spectacular. Right? It wasn't over the top great. And it wasn't in the basement terrible. Right? Uh, it wasn't all mountaintops and it wasn't all valleys. It was just normal, right? Uh, that's, that's for the most part. Uh, but when you think back, you don't think of the vast majority of the days of the year. You think about the great days or you think about the bad days. And you think about all those pieces that went along with those moments of time. And as we look over the year, oftentimes that's what we do. We look kind of back and kind of... Uh, think about all these things, uh, and I want to take a moment this morning, and maybe several moments, and look at Philippians chapter 4, and I'm not going to cover the entire chapter, I, I do want to pick up verse number 9 to get some thoughts here, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have, done, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my afflictions. Uh, now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I'm going to stop right there. Uh, we notice here, bro, the Apostle Paul is writing, he's writing back to the church at Philippi, right? And he's writing to a church that over and over again seemed to be able to meet the need that he had at the moment, right? They sent once and again when he first started out from Macedonia, even over to Thessalonica. They're sending, they're sending money, communicating, giving, receiving. Uh, the times when Paul couldn't be the tent maker to make the extra money, they went ahead and supplied his need. 
Uh, you find out about them in Corinthians, right? That out of their deep poverty, they went ahead and still provided the needs that Paul had. They were willing to give and willing to do those things. And Paul is looking back at the times, right? I know both how to abound and how to waste. The high times and the low times. And as he looks back over those times, he says, Well, I, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I'm all right when I'm high. I'm all right when I'm low. But I'm all right when we're even. When nothing's really going on and it's not that exciting, I'm all right with that too. Some of us wish some days would be less exciting, don't we? Uh, we, we wish, I don't need it high and I don't need it low. If I could just get it normal for a day, I'd be all right, right? That's some days, right? That's some weeks. If I could just have a couple regular days, we'd be fine. And so we look at it and Paul's going, you know what? If it could just be, no matter where I am, no matter where I am on that, that ride right there, I was content. I'm okay. I'm fine. And one of the things he is reminding the church at Philippi of is the fact that they have taken care of him and God ultimately is the one who has taken care of him day in and day out. It's God who has supplied. It is God who has worked. It is God who has worked through because they first gave of their own selves and then they gave to Paul. They sent Epaphroditus to become a sweet-smelling savor for Paul to be able to meet the need that he had at the moment. He's looking back and he's going, you know what? God has taken care of me through the highs and the lows, through the normal time, through everyday life. God is the one who has supplied and God is the one who has taken care of me. God is the one who has met the need over and over again. And as he looks at that statement, you get down to verse Number 19, and we all know the verse, he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He looks at the church at Philippi and says, you, you realize I know you gave out of your poverty. I know that you've given to God. I know that you've given so that you could go ahead and spend toward what God asked you to do. I know that God is going to go ahead and meet your need just like he's always met my need. That's the indication he's giving to the church in Philippi. He's looking at Philippi and he says, hey, you guys have given to my need because God asked you to give to me. Don't worry, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love and how that you minister to the saints and do minister. He says, God's not unright. He's going to go ahead and pay you back. Don't worry, everything will be taken care of. You may not know where it's coming from and you may not know why it's coming and you may not have any answer whatsoever, but you do know one thing, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And as we look over the past year and as we look to next year, the one thing I want you to remember today is this verse right here, verse number 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want you to remember the great source of every year. The supply, the, the source of all of our, all of our things, the, the resources that we draw upon, the things that we have, the things that we feel we lack, all the things that are going on, every bit of it is from Him. And so this morning, I'm going to preach on the great source of every year. Let's have a word of prayer. And we're going to stay right here. We're going to stay. I don't normally do this. I normally take you all over the place sometimes. Uh, we're going to stay right here. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19. We're going to sit right there. We're parking there for the morning. And we're just going to, we're going to go right through this verse right here. Father, I do thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. You talk about meeting a need. Jesus Christ meets the need. 
And Lord, he met the need for our salvation. He met the need for forgiving us. He met the need for keeping us. He meets the need for sealing us. He meets the need for everything. And Lord, once again, I do pray that you would bless our services today. Lord, we are a needy people. And Father, we need you and we need you more than ever, day in and day out. Lord, we love you. I pray Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up today. I pray you draw us close and that we'd, Father, grow nearer and nearer, my God, to thee. Father, until you sound a trumpet and get to take us home and we finally get to see you face to face. Lord, if today is not the day you're coming, I pray tomorrow would be. And Lord, we pray we'd see you soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first thing I want you to note about the verse is that one little phrase there, all your need. Uh, you know, there's a great necessity. Take just for a moment, think about this. How needy are you? Now, step back just for a moment. Most of us go, well, I've got money in the bank and I've got this and I've got that and I've got... No, no. <laughs> Take a moment. Really think about this. How needy are you? As an individual, you and I are needy. <laughs> we don't have anything outside of what God gives us. His statement is, without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> you need him just to do anything. Uh, you realize all of your ability came from God? Everything. You realize you got out of bed this morning, such as it was. <laughs> you got out of bed this morning only by his mercies and grace. His mercies were renewed this morning, so you were still breathing and you got up. Praise the Lord. You got up. Some folks didn't. We're needy people. We need him for our next breath. We need him to pay all of our bills. We need him to supply all of our food. We need him to nourish us and take care of us. Physically, the temporal side, we are so needy. You think about all the need. He's, he's writing to the church at Philippi. You know what his statement is? I have no idea how many people are in Philippi. But his statement to the church at Philippi is, My God shall supply all your need. Your individual need, personally, is more than we could probably number up for ourselves. All the things you could think of that you need day in and day out, not to mention all the things that you need that you look out to the future and you go, I really need all of those things too, taken care of. And you know what God says? I'll supply all. You recognize this, there is not one need that God cannot supply. We look back over the last year and you say, I didn't have everything I wanted. Yeah, but you had everything you needed. So how do you know that? You're still here. <laughs> if it was that essential, right? We, already, we all hate the word essential now, don't we? Um, if it was that necessary, let's go there, then you realize you wouldn't have lived without it. I just can't live without it. That's, that's people with all of their technology today. I just can't live without it. I can't. That's people with weird, normal. Well, I just can't live without. And the truth is you can. You can live without most things. But how abundant you and I have it. Because he supplies all our needs. You start thinking about how needy you are just for a moment. Uh, you know what we need? We need health. 
Where would you be with your health if God didn't give it to you? We're praying for people today. Car accidents and surgeries. and But you realize that they're being taken care of by people who God has put in place to be able to give them the help that they need to survive. You know, it used to be that you, you think about the advancements of modern medicine for us. Now, I'm not one of those people who's like, every single thing the doctor tells you, you must do, all right? I'm not, I'm not a lemming, all right? But you realize there are advancements in modern medicine so that we live, right? <laughs> there are certain things they do today that they never could have done before. And the idea that you can go in and after you've had a heart problem or this or that, and they can change valves out and they can put in, uh, you know, all sorts of different stents and different pieces of technology so that your heart works and functions the way that it should. You should be dead. <laughs> you, you should be dead, right? That's, but God, goes, God, God allows it. And he gives, you, he gives you the help that you need. He works in your life that way. He works, without him, you know what you'd be? You'd be broken entirely. Uh, it still amazes me how much Pastor Legault has done and how much he still does with how broken his body is and should be. The pain level that he's at, the pain level that other people, I know other people, Sam Gipp is off the charts pain right now. How is he still traveling? We're supposed to see him in March. I hope we get to. I hope he gets to come and he gets to preach in March for a few days. I hope that he gets to do that. I hope we all get to see him. But man, that guy... I wonder, how does he keep going? <laughs> well, there's only one answer. It's the mercies and the grace of a holy God who gives it to you. I can't explain this, and some of the other guys that have preached out and have done certain things, you can feel horrible and lousy before you ever step behind a pulpit. <laughs> and the Lord just goes ahead and pushes you over, and you get up there, and everything goes to calm. Like, there's no reason... I've had pounding, blinding headaches practically, get up to preach. I've been sick as a dog, tried to come in to preach. I've done all those things. You step up and you feel amazing right up until you're done. <laughs> and I think I hit about here and I'm like, oh, oh, what is wrong? Everything's broken. God give you the health you need to do what he asks you to do. No question about that. He supplies all your money. And sometimes he doesn't even do it as money. Sometimes he just gives you food and raiment. And therewith, be content. Well, I don't have what everybody else has. Then you know what you need to pray for? Pray that you don't get envious. Because you need him to not be envious too. Oh yeah, but I have all these things. Well, then pray you don't get proud that you have all these things. You need him to not be proud. You realize that everything that we have and everything that he has given us, well, don't be so boastful of all the things that you have because God's the one who gave them to you anyways. We recognize that God can also take them all away whenever he feels like it. Well, I have it, I have it so great. Praise the Lord for his greatness. He is great at supplying all of our need. We need, you know what we needed? We needed a savior. He provided a savior. We needed forgiveness. Who can forgive sins but God alone? He provided that too. He provided the way for you and I to grow by giving us a Bible. 
He provided a way for us to have victory through Jesus Christ. He provided us a way so that you and I don't have to be sinful, wicked, terrible, awful people. We can have a new creature. We can be a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We don't have to live in the bondage of our sins any longer because of a victorious God. We need Him. We need Him not just for every physical breath. We need Him for every spiritual stride we're ever going to make for Him. We need Him for every moment of growth and we need Him for every... We are so needy that there are multiple needs just from an individual that could not be reckoned up in order to be able to go ahead and let God know all the things we could possibly need. You realize you start doing stuff. You ever done a project? I know. Right? You start a project and you think, I know everything I need. I got my entire parts list, right, gentlemen? (laughs) Got the whole parts list. I thought this whole thing out. Except you forgot something. (laughs) You got to the store, you somehow forgot something on your list, and maybe you had all of it on the list and you missed something. Or, worse yet, you started and you broke something that you started and you thought was going to be good. And you damaged something, or something wasn't quite the way you thought it was supposed to be. Right? And we need one more thing. You know, when you feel like you've got all your needs taken care of. Isn't it amazing how quickly another need suddenly pops up and you need him again? You know, when you start thinking about all the things that we need, you and I could get real somber real quick. Oh. And you know what Paul's saying? He says, hey, Philippi, God's met all of my needs. He'll meet all of yours. Church, remember this. God is in the business of supplying all your need. We're needy, and we need Him, and we need Him desperately. But just remember, all of your spiritual needs and all of your temporal needs are only met by Him. And He can meet them all. He can meet them all. Why? Because He's a great helper. Not only is there a great necessity, but He is a great helper. He starts off that verse, verse number 19, but my God. That's a great phrase. Why? Because Paul makes the statement, he's mine. You say, what God is this? This is Paul's God. This is my God shall supply. Okay, well, if it's Paul's God, isn't he your God? Didn't you believe on the same God that Paul did? Isn't he the same God that you have? Well, isn't he the same God that Abraham had when he was called out of the earth of the Chaldees? Promised a land, promised greatness, promised, and God fulfills and fulfills and fulfills. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of... Isn't he the same God in Noah's day that called upon Noah and flooded an entire world to destroy it? And start it over again? Isn't it the same God that Adam and Eve had that spoke the universe into existence? Isn't this the same God that when Elijah calls for fire to come down from heaven, he answers? Isn't he the same God that Isaiah got to see and steps in front of that throne and I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isn't that the same God 
that all the prophets called upon? Isn't he the same? Isn't he the same as that Jesus that walked down the roads of Galilee and healed the sick and raised the dead? Isn't that the same God? Well, yeah, but he doesn't do all those crazy, incredible things. What God are you talking about? (laughs) You talk about dead raised to life. He did that for you. I was dead in trespasses and sin. You realize the greatest miracle God has ever done did in your life if you've trusted Him as your Savior? The greatest miracle God has ever done is make it so that a wicked, vile, awful, terrible, needy sinner can go and step into a sinless, perfect heaven and be deemed clean and washed of all of their sins. Realize that is a miracle because it had to take the miracle of God becoming a man. The miracle of a sinless life. The miracle of the Son of God dying for your sins. The miracle of being raised from the dead. And then the miracle of giving you His righteousness instead of yours. That's what it took to put you in heaven. That's what it takes for a lost sinner to get into the glories of heaven is to call upon Jesus Christ alone because of how great things He had done. And you talk about God not doing miracles now? He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God who spoke the universe into existence. He's the same God who parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel. He's the same God that parted the Jordan River for the children of Israel. He's the same God who had the walls of Jericho fall. He is the same God today as He was then. And He hasn't lost one ounce of power or strength or might or command or dominance. It is exactly who He is. He is the great God. And beside Him there is no other. He is it. He is alone. He is sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and there is no one who will ever compare. And you say, who is He? My God. And it doesn't matter if you're a great spiritual giant like Paul or you're a pauper like anybody else. You know who you can say is? He is? Well, He's my God. He's mine. Well then... You don't need to worry about being some spiritual giant to have your needs met. Say, what do you need to be? You just need to be His child. You just need to be able to say, well, that's my God. He's mine. He's mine. I am His and He is mine. Loved with everlasting love, who the Lord and me shall part. There's nothing. Ah, with what a rest of bliss Christ can heal the loving heart. What a wonder He is. Say, who is He? He's my God. If you're saved in here this morning, you know what you can say? He's my God. The God of the impossible, that's my God. He's not some little statue sitting over there that people come down and they rub on and they kiss and they worship and they do all those things that does nothing for them. They can't talk and can't speak and can't do. That they have to, if someone walks over and knocks them over, they got to go back and pick them back up. That's not the God that I have. The God that I have is a God who does whatever he would like. He's the ruler of the universe. And no man can ask him, what doest thou? That's who he is. That's my God. And his statement is that he'll supply all your need. My God. 
He's a great helper in a time when we have a great need. Because he has a great supply. My God shall supply all your need. You know, God has his own ending supply. Could you ever figure out how much God has in the storehouses of heaven? (laughs) You ever think you're going to be able to figure that out? How much he's got just sitting in reserve that he's waiting to pull out and go ahead and... I mean, he says that he'd open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Could you imagine if he opened up the the gates and the doors? (laughs) He goes, i got to open up a window because you can't handle everything that would fall out if I open up a door. So I'll open up a window and pour you out a little blessing here. You realize his supply? Probably the greatest example that I have ever heard. Uh, a preacher was talking about this passage I was reading. And you know what he said? He said the greatest example of that is out of Kings. The book of Kings. And 2 Kings chapter 4, you've got that woman. Right? And she's, she was, her husband died in debt. And her sons are taken, right? And they're put into servitude to pay the debt. And all she's got, she comes to the prophets going, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed? And he says, uh, well, you've got, what do you got? She says, I've got one, one cruise of oil that's almost empty. <laughs> that's all I've got. And he says, okay, grab all your empty vessels. So she grabs all the empty vessels. She gets piling them all up in there. And then uh, he says, uh, that's not enough. Go to your neighbors. Get everybody else's empty vessels. And she gets everybody else's vessels. And she gets this whole place. And her whole house is filled up with all these little vessels. And he says, all right, start pouring. So she takes her vessel and she starts filling another. And I wonder if she grabbed the biggest one to start, you know. Got to start with the big one, right? That way, just in case this stops, we got to make sure we get the first one full, right? So she starts filling that big one, and all of a sudden she gets to the top and it's brimming, and she goes, oh. So he goes, well, go to the next one. So she goes to the next one, she starts pouring. And that one gets to the brim, and all of a sudden she's going, and she goes, next vessel, next vessel, next vessel. And her whole house, out of that almost empty vessel, of oil filled all the vessels in the house and he says fill up another one she goes I don't have any more to fill what kind of supply does God have well if you've got a vessel he'll fill it if you're willing to pour and go to him and go I don't have anything and he says don't worry just pour just take, just take your little bit of meal and your little bit of oil and make me a cake first. Right? And suddenly the cruise of oil never fails and the meal doesn't fail. And every morning you wake up and you make another cake and you go, I don't understand how it's coming, but here it is. What a wonder it is that my God shall supply all my need. His supplies are limitless. And as long as you've got a need, he's got a supply. And as you get working through your life, you know what you find? You find out that you will never run out of needs. And he will never run out of supplies. You and I, we run out of supplies all the time. 
We are lacking and we are needy and we are, and he goes, but I've got supplies. I've got so many supplies that I can go ahead and meet every need for every person on the planet forever. He owns the cattle. He owns the hills. He owns the dirt under the hills. He owns the bedrock below that. The earth is his and the fullness thereof. What couldn't he do? He goes at, what does he not have control of? What couldn't he sell off to go ahead and pay whatever it is you need paid? God has so much supply and we have so much demand that our demands will always be met. Your demand will not be able to overtake his supply. Never possible. The moment you realize you have a need, God already knew you needed it and goes ahead and has it. You know, uh, I, worked at, I worked at Tessie with the factory. You know what they do? They do projections, right? Every factory does projections. They project out to what they need for their customers before they go ahead and produce, right? They try to stay ahead of the orders, your grocery store does the same thing, right? They stock with the idea of having it there before the demand gets to that point, right? The idea is we want to supply before the demand overruns the supply. Otherwise, you get a shortage, right? We all hate shortages, right? We want, we want what we want when we want it. You realize God is the only one who's never had a shortage, His supply is endless. <laughs> you say, why is that? Because it's according, notice what he says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. God has a great supply because he has a great reserve. <laughs> he's got a great reserve. He's got it up there. You know what he is? He, he's got all the riches in glory. <laughs> now that's strange phrase. But you think about God, and this is going to be hard for us, because we live in opulence here. We have money here. We have status here. We have all those things. Even the poorest people in America most of the time are wealthier than most of the rest of the world. And as we look around, we have all these things. And we may not have everything we want, but we have all that we need and then some. And here's God... And he's sitting on a throne. And can you imagine, as a king, he is sitting on a throne, ruling the universe. His word spoken commands the universe. Because where the word of a king is, there's power. When he speaks, it happens. That's how he spoke the universe into existence. He's the king of the universe. He speaks, and his, his wish is command. <laughs> And so, away it goes. And as he speaks the universe into existence, the other thing that he does is he creates his own abode. Now think just for a moment. I'll give you probably the best earthly example we can get. And that would be Solomon sitting upon his throne. Solomon has so much money and so much wealth as he steps onto the throne that he builds six steps of ivory. He's got those lions 
statues. He's got everything overlaid with gold. He's got this ridiculous statue, or, uh, throne to sit upon governing the nation of Israel. You know what he looks like? He looks like the greatest, most powerful king on the planet because he was. <laughs> right? When we think of power and thrones and the king sitting upon, it's always opulent, whatever it is. Right? It's always built up huge. It's uh, I was joking around with the, with the uh, Sunday school class this morning, right? It's magnificent, right? One of the greatest words in the Bible right there, And uh, you know what it is? It's so magnificent and majestic. Could you imagine? You see the thrones on the face of this earth. Could you imagine what the throne of the, of the God of the universe would have to be? I mean, the God of the universe paves his streets with gold and builds his buildings out of jewels. And the world, the best they can do is give those as gifts. <laughs> He's like, I just paved with that stuff. I know what your problem is. Right? Solomon is so wealthy as the king. Silverware wasn't good enough. He had goldware. Right? That's Solomon. Jesus Christ is so powerful he does not even use gold. I don't know what he uses, but it's got to be better than gold because he walks on that. Hey, who is he? He's the God of the universe. You think that he's got nothing in those storehouses? You realize when kings and, and royalty would give gifts to each other, when they would give out a gift of abundance, it would be a gift of abundance. It would show off the power that they have. The wealth that they have. You realize, right, the kings of the earth would come to see Solomon for his wisdom. And when they would show up, they would bring wealth and riches. Why would they do that? To, sh to try and influence the greatest king in the universe at the time, right? Sitting upon his throne. The greatest earthly king we've ever had is Solomon sitting there, right? He's sitting there and, and all the power and all the greatness of what he is, he is sitting there. And you know what? They're bringing in the gifts and they're bringing in the gifts. Why? To impress him. When Solomon wanted to give a gift, I think he could be impressive. You think your God couldn't be impressive when he wants to go ahead and supply a need? You, you think he couldn't just pull one of those bricks out of the ground and go, here, there's a gold bar, just take that. It's, it's who he is. He is so powerful and so amazing that he would be able to give of his abundance. Isn't his statement about us that we would have life and that we might have it more abundantly? He wants you to have abundance. He's not holding stuff back. Like, it's strange. Like, people are strange. People think that God is up there, like, breaking their car destroying their furnace, blowing it up. God, why did you do... Why would he even bother? I want you to know something. God has seen your vehicle and he doesn't want it. <laughs> Have you seen what he rides in in Ezekiel? Like, he's riding style compared to you. All right? He's got a chariot of fire if he wants it. All right, trust me. His warehouse, his, his garage looks way better, all right? He doesn't need yours. 
He doesn't want to take. You know what he is? He's the supply. God is the supplier. And his resources are so abundant that he doesn't need to take your stuff. He's got plenty. Because you're the one in need, he's not. You think about God and the, and the statements he makes, right? If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. If I, were thir- if I had need of anything, why would I ask you for anything? If God ever had a need, you know who he wouldn't ask? He wouldn't ask me to do anything. What do you mean? I mean, he can use whatever he wants to use. He doesn't need me. Well, he needs you to be the pastor of the church. He doesn't need me to be the pastor of the church. I am as replaceable as anybody else. If God wants me, he takes me. That's all the answer is. And you know what he would do? He would supply whatever need was here. Say, why? Because he's the supplier. All good things come from above and cometh from the Father of lights. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. He's got a lot of riches. He's got a lot. You know, I was going to move on, but I'm not going to. Hang on, give me one more second. It makes me think, right? The, the widow shows up with her two mites, right? And she gave more than everybody else. You say, why? Because out of their abundance, they gave. And they gave way more than two mites, but they had way more to give. See where we're going here? God's got the abundance. You and I have the need. That's how he could meet the need of 4,000 and 5,000 people to give them food from virtually nothing. Say, so what does God do? He supplies and supplies because he's got great riches. Lastly, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We have a great channel. Jesus Christ. Say, so how do I get the supply of all that God has? One way alone. How do I get forgiveness of my sins? One way. How do I get salvation? How do I not spend eternity in a lake of fire? One way. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Neither is there salvation or any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's the one who gives us all of our salvation. He's the one who gives us all of our forgiveness. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. He's the one who goes ahead and gives us all of our victories. You get that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All of our victories are His. Just like the nation of Israel going into the promised land and here they are and they they come up to Jericho, God gives them a victory. They disobey sins in the camp, they lose at Ai. (laughs) Why? God didn't go with them, didn't give them a victory. They should have won. That was an easy win. They looked at that like, hey, that's an easy win. Let's go do it. God's like, I'm not going to let you win. 
Why? Because without me, you can do nothing. I'm not going to let you win. <laughs> I'll supply your need, and right now you need to fix what's going on in the camp, not go ahead and fight another battle. He'll supply your need, and it'll be by Christ Jesus. You know, if Jesus Christ doesn't meet the need, nobody else can. If it's not through him, you know what you and I won't have? We won't have it. You know, Jesus Christ is the only one who can meet the need that you have today. I don't know what your need is. Maybe you do have a need of salvation. Maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Jesus Christ is the one who meets that need every time. Maybe you're in here today and you're having money problems or you're having family problems or you're having, you know, whatever other weird problems, work problems. You're having issues. You need him. Well, he's the one who meets the need. You know, I can't meet your needs. I don't know what you need. I can try and help. I can try and help you figure out what you need to do, or I can try and get you some wisdom. We can try and see what the Bible says, but the Bible's where we're going to go. Say, why? Because I need that to give me any wisdom. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you, th you think I know what I'm doing all the time? I, I don't know what I'm doing. Not without him. You don't know what you're doing without him either. <laughs> we're just wandering around like a bunch of just completely, I mean, we don't know what we're doing. We're just wandering around, well, you know. Then the Lord gives us direction, and we're like, oh, yeah, I did know that. Oh, yeah, I do know what way I'm supposed to. Oh, yeah. Say so why? Because we need him. We need him to guide us. We need him to lead us. We need him to strengthen us. We need his grace, and we need his mercies. We need his forgiveness. We need his blessings. We need his goodness and his love and compassion. We need his patience and his long-suffering. We need his holiness so that he'll be just and righteous in his judgments. We need his word. We need a wonderful God to reach down into our lives and to do something amazing because you and I can do nothing without him. He's a wonderful God. He's my God. I hope he's your God. And I hope you don't forget that when you look back at 2023, through all those highs and all the lows and all those average times that we mostly have forgotten, I hope you look back and you remember one thing, that God has supplied all of your need. That he is the one who has taken care of everything. And as you step into 2024, you recognize that 2024 will be all based upon what his supply is for what your need is. It's all about what he does. Without him, you and I, we won't walk the right way. We won't do the right things. We won't have our needs met. We need him. But my God shall supply all your need. We love that word all. But I think oftentimes we don't come to him with our needs because we forget he'd meet all of them. 
but my God shall supply all your need. Just like he did for me. Paul's saying to Philippi, just like he did for me, he met all my need. You know what he'll do for you? He'll meet all of yours. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. Simple message. Simple reminder. Maybe you just need to come down and thank God for the supply because you didn't thank Him very well the first time He supplied it. Or maybe you need to come down because you're going, Lord, I'm needy. I need the every hour, most gracious Lord. Maybe you got something you're going through right now and you're stepping into the next year and you're going, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get this victory. I want this out of my life and I know you can do it. And I haven't come to you with it and I need to come to you because you're the one who supplies all of my need. What a wonder it is to have a God who cares about us enough and loves us enough to not only pay the debt of all of our sins and meet the need of our salvation that day, but he wants to meet the need that you have today. I don't know what it is, but he already knows. He's already got the supply. The resources are waiting. If you just ask, he could deliver. What will it be? Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you for being so good to us. I thank you for being a wonderful God. I thank you for being my God. And I thank you for your provisions for us. I pray you'd help us rejoice at what great things the Lord hath done and what great things the Lord is going to do for us this year. We love you and we pray you would come back soon. In Jesus' name, amen.